Welcome to the Newsmakers Podcast. I'm Billy Hollowell, and this is a show where we go behind the headlines every day to bring you an interview with a pastor, entertainer, politician, or other notable news figure. And this is a show, again, it's daily, but it's based on our weekly TV show, which is also called Newsmakers. You can watch it on the CBN News Channel and also on our YouTube page. And on this show, every day, we dive deep. It's a little more longer form with one of the people who you will often see on our Newsmakers show or across the CBN News platforms. On today's Newsmakers, we sit down with Moises Estevez, Executive Director of Child Evangelism Fellowship, to talk all about good news after-school clubs. Now, these are Christian clubs, but if you've been paying attention to the media, you might have seen that there are now after-school Satan clubs as well. Moises is going to talk to us about those Satan clubs, why his organization is an amazing alternative, and how he responds to Satanists trying to position themselves as providing after-school education to children. With no further ado, here is Moises Estevez. So I want to start with your after-school clubs. We'll, we'll get into that. But before we, we talk about the debate and the discussion around these after-school Satan clubs, which um, is a very interesting development over the past few years that we've seen continue to sort of grow, Child Evangelism Fellowship, you have some really amazing goals to reach 100 million kids each year. Uh, tell us a little bit about your overarching work. Well, thank you for having me. Yes, uh, Child Evangelism Fellowship started in 1937. Um, today, we have a work organized in uh, the US, all states in the USA, 400 chapters, and then most nations of the world. We have about 3,500 full-time staff around the world, and a variety of ministries. One of those uh, ministries is the Good News Club, our weekly Good News Club. We teach the Bible to boys and girls every week during the school year. And uh, we have about 80,000 of those uh, around the world, and then many other ministries. Um, in the last five years, of course, we had a slump through uh, during COVID because our, our ministry is a face-to-face -face ministry predominantly. And so we hit a slump with uh, during COVID. But in the last five years, we ministered to 100 million children. So we're accelerating um, a, a variety of ministries and strategies, and we want to be reaching 100 million children a year uh, within the next 10 to 15 years. Wow, that is an ambitious goal. And obviously the Good News Clubs, these are clubs that a lot of people are familiar with. But for those who aren't, take us through this because some of these clubs, they meet in, in schools, right? Correct. Most of our, we do, we work very closely with the local church. We partner with local churches for everything we do. Uh, a lot of our trainings are happening in churches, but we have a special place in our hearts for church children. Those are the 80% of the kids that don't step foot in church. And so to reach those, you got to go where they are. They're not in church. That's why they're called in church. And so we hold most of our clubs, like for example, in the summer, five-day clubs, in parks and daycares, you name it. And then during the school year, the, the good news clubs, we also have some in homes and so on, but most of them in the USA are uh, in the public schools. Uh, a, a smaller amount of them are what we call release time clubs, uh, which you're allowed to take the children during instruction time outside, but they have to take place outside of school property, and you have an hour to do your instruction, then you bring them back. 
Uh, so we have some release times, but we have thousands of after school good news clubs. Uh, good news clubs. So after when the last bell rings, um, the children and of course they got to have a, a, a signed parental signed permission. They uh, come into a location. It could be the music room. It could be whatever room. And there we hold the Good News Club. The Good News Club is a high action, high energy hour to an hour, 15 minutes. It has games and songs and memory verse and Bible lessons, sometimes a, a real life missionary story and, and so on and so forth. So it's very intense, uh, a lot of fun. The kids love it. and But they learn about the Lord. The gospel is shared. We make absolutely no changes to the gospel content just because we're in the public school. Uh, and so if you happen to be walking down the hallway after the last bell rings, you'll be hearing gospel songs being sung, and, and it's just a lot of fun. So you have, obviously, your organization has been around for a long time. You have these clubs. They have been around for a long time. A few years ago, the Satanic Temple they decided they were going to launch, and I don't know the exact year, I know this I think started around 2017, their own after-school clubs, the after-school Satan Club is what they call it. Uh, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. What do you think the impetus was? Why do you think they created these after-school clubs? Well, at the time, actually the whole effort was launched with an article, I believe with Washington Post in 2016, launched an article about these Satan Clubs. That was kind of their debut, and and uh, they specifically choose club uh, schools. They they pay no attention to schools where we don't have good news clubs, but they specifically choose schools where we have good news clubs, uh, and they come and make a big a big splash with the media. They invite all the media to come, and um, and the, basically their strategy is to shut down our clubs, and so they bring the media and. They present themselves as, you know, satanic, which gets everybody riled up. And so the parents get upset and the administrators get upset. And so the initial reaction is, is we can't let them in. And, uh, of course, that's what they want. They want to be pushed out because once they're pushed out, they will actually use our victory that we had in, in the United States Supreme Court in 2001 to then turn around and file a lawsuit against the school to say, hey, we have the right to be there. And then the school, if the school still wants to push them out, they got to shut down all the after-school clubs. That's their strategy. Um, has, so, that been has that been an effective strategy in terms of shutting any of your clubs down? Not really. I mean, when this thing initially came out, it was a shock for everybody. Um, there was some... Uh, I think two or three clubs in a particular school district in the East Coast, that superintendent sort of overreacted and shut it, shut them down. But a month or two later, uh, they were reopened. So really, it hasn't accomplished their goals uh, to shut our clubs up. As a matter of fact, sometimes it does the opposite, because Christians that are not aware about the, the work we do in the public schools they're not aware of child evangelism fellowship. They go, hey, we like what you guys are doing. Can we help? So it, it helps us have more clubs. 
Yeah, well, it's it's interesting. I, I have in front of me right now from the Satanic Temple's website. It says the After School Satan Club does not believe in introducing religion into public schools and will only open a club if other religious groups are operating on campus. And so your point, what you said, they actually open on their website saying that, you know, we specifically choose schools that have other religious groups there. Um, so that is that is interesting. The other point you made that I think is worth really digging into here that this actually has the opposite effect in your view of, of maybe invigorating Christians and actually bringing attention to the work that you are doing. That That's really interesting. Have you had people, and maybe this is tough to answer, I don't know off the cuff, but who have come to you and said, hey, we didn't know about this work. We saw an article about the Satanic Temple. We saw this was going on and we found out that you exist. We want to help. We want to be involved. Yes, we've, we've, we've seen many stories like that because what happened, so there they run to the media as part of their strategy to make a big, scary splash, right? Well, when the media jumps into the story, then they want to hear the other side. They want to hear our side. So they come and ask questions and so on. And so when the articles go out, a lot of Christians are, you know, initially, when you see the headline, it's a little scandalized uh, about, you know, Satan clubs coming to school. But then when they start reading, they read about this organization that teaches the Bible every week in public schools. And so, yes, we've had testimonies about um, people getting involved just because uh, they, they love what we're doing. And, and what we're doing has a huge impact on children. Years ago, we did a, a, a survey with principals, principals that were hosting Good News Clubs in their public schools, and we had great feedback. 87% of them were aware that... Uh, that their club had had a positive impact. They had heard stuff, and the club had was having a positive impact in their school. We had comments from principals saying that uh, the, the club has reduced the number of referrals to the office, has, has decreased bullying, uh, because that's the power of the gospel. When when you begin to teach uh, children about the Lord, and, and they are saved, and and the Holy Spirit begins to live in them and transform them and help them, they begin to change. And so people around them will notice. We have so many stories like that, uh, including a kid that was, he said on camera to the teacher, he said, listen, I used to be a bully, but this club has changed me, and I gave up bullying. I'm a nice guy now. <laughs> and uh, we get that all the time. That's the power of the gospel. And so Perhaps the administrators are not Christians. They don't fully understand what the gospel does to people, but they see the benefits and the positive impact of the club and the school. Yeah, it is interesting that, that you know, they have this strategy on the other side, the Satanist side. And, and let's address something here, because this has been, as, as somebody who covers these stories, a frustration point of mine, you know, because they walk out and they say, we're Satanists, Right. And there are different types of Satanists. There are theological Satanists. There are non-theological Satanists. And this particular group, the Satanic Temple, can you describe what it is they actually believe and what, what their identity actually is for us so we just get a sense of where they're coming from? Sure. They, they, they claim to—well, they, they present themselves as a religion, okay? So they, they want to come to the schools and have the same rights as we do. We're a religious group. We make no excuses about it. They present themselves also as a religious group. So they want to have the same rights that other religious groups have. But then when you start asking, well, do you worship Satan? Oh, we don't. We really don't. But listen, here's, here's something that's very telling. 
and that is in Detroit in 2015 is when they dedicated this eight, eight and a half foot tall, uh, sort of a devilish creature. The thing weighs about 3,000 pounds. I forgot what metal it's made of, but it's a massive thing. There's actually two kids, one boy, one girl, on the side of this creature, looking to the creature in this, uh, you know, this expression of amazement and awe. But to dedicate this um, this statue, uh, seven seven hundred people attended. The requirement to get a ticket was this: you have to sell your soul to Satan. That was the requirement. You can read about this. So. They one side of their mouth they said, "Oh no, we don't worship Satan." But but when the other side of their mouth, a lot of the stuff they do, is very much in 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 worship and 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 adoration of Satan. So there's no doubt that that they're saving saving serving Satan. And and of course, the Good News Club has a much better message because the message of the gospel is a message of love and forgiveness. And I'm telling you, children desperately need that. Kids today are in trouble. There's so much pressure on kids coming from every side, from, well, bullying. Of course, now you got cyberbullying, which is devastating for the kids, and, and, and all kinds of problems, and says gangs, drugs, everything. And it, kids are struggling in so many ways. They don't need what Satan has to offer. And, and what they need is they need what God has to offer. And that's why they come in large numbers to our Good News Clubs to learn about God. Well, I so appreciate you taking us through all this. Essentially, just to underscore what you said, I mean, technically on paper, the Satanic Temple is an atheist organization, but, and I think this is a whole other theological conversation, you can be serving Satan without realizing even you're you're serving Satan. And in this case, we're actually talking about Satanic imagery and these other things that do bring attention. So I, I want to focus, though, back before we go here on the incredible work you guys are doing. You've stayed the course. And as you mentioned, kids today desperately need the truth more than we've seen in our lifetimes um, here in this country. Things are chaotic. Um, and, and what just before we go, what is it that keeps you going? What are the things that you hear in this ministry that lighten your heart and, and make you say, we're on the right path. I love what we're doing. Absolutely. Well, I'll give you two two points on that. One, we're compelled by the Word of God and by the heart of God. I, there's so many passages that are so beautiful that reveal the heart of God for children. One of them is, is Psalm 78. I love verse 4 that says, that, Tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. So someone told the gospel to us, and now we're responsible to share the gospel to the next generation. Who else is going to do it? The government? Who else? It's the Christians. So it's our responsibility. It's not CF's responsibility. It's the body of Christ. The psalm goes on to say in verses 6 and 7, so that the next generation might know God, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell it to their children, so they would set their hope in God and not forget the works of God and keep His commandments. So in this psalm, in these few verses, God is talking about few, two, three future generations that don't exist yet. And he's saying, in order for those generations to know God and walk with God and honor God with their lives, it's very important that this generation, you and I, the believers today, uh, do the work that is our responsibility to proclaim the gospel to the next generation. That's the heart of God. So there's many more passages about that. 
the the second reason that that keeps the fire burning in our souls is the power of the gospel. The, the gospel changes lives. The, the gospel transforms lives. I can tell you very quickly the story of this uh, a girl called Brianna that uh, it's her and her sister. She st- the older girl started attending Good News Club. Mom and dad were divorced. Uh, the girl gets saved. Of course, kids come home. All they talk about is, is, is the things of God they're learning in Good News Club. The mother gets curious, ends up going to church. The mother gets saved. The father comes and visits the kids, sees change in the home, starts asking questions, eventually goes to church. He gets saved. Today, that family in Nevada, uh, the parents are volunteers in the Good News Club where the two girls attend. And we see this transformation happen all the time. Another story real quick. Two twin girls, I think in Ohio, I heard this story recently. And we have this on video. They're really spunky the way they talk and, and finish each other's sentences. But they started attending Good News Club and, and they got saved. Again, come home, talk about what God is doing in their lives. And and dad was an uh, alcoholic and he began to, uh, you know, the mom and dad began to listen very careful what they're saying. They end up going to church. Parents get saved. And in this video that I received, this testimony video, there was this beautiful uh, scene of mom, dad, and the two girls being baptized on the same Sunday together. And I'm telling you, that is the power of the gospel to change lives, to change families, to change communities. So that is what keeps us going. So we want to invite uh, those people that listen and view your show to go to cefonline.com. That's cefonline.com. Find out more about CEF. We have actually what we call a chapter finder. People can put their zip code in and pops the, the closest CEF office to their home. Make a phone call. Get involved. Go visit a club. Go talk to someone in your church and say, hey, let's plant a, a lighthouse for the Lord. In, the, in, in our public school, and let's reach families and children for Christ. We can help you do that. Because of the Supreme Court decision, the doors are wide open. We must take advantage of the opportunity while the doors are still open. Yeah, absolutely. The power in reaching the next generation. Appreciate you breaking it all down for us today. Thank you for having me. That's all for today's Newsmakers podcast. Be sure to tune in for the next episode of the show and also head over to the CBN News YouTube channel and the CBN News channel to watch Newsmakers every week. We'll see you soon.